ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930 present The Drive. It is Monday, July 24th. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. Glad to be with you. We've got a very busy week. It starts today. Coming up on the show, we're going to hear from one of the all-time greats, Marshall Basketball, John Elmore. He joins me in a few short minutes. The TBT gets underway in the West Virginia Regional. That's coming up tomorrow. We're going to have that game. Heard that in action tomorrow. We've got it for you a little bit after 9 o'clock. That's going to come after the Best Virginia game. We'll also have that. And as far as Best Virginia and Heard That goes, as far as they go, they go all the way. One of those two teams will be there right here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. So John's coming up with us at about 5.15. And then at 5.30, one of the voices you'll hear on the broadcast is Travis Jones. Looking forward to catching up with him, get his perspective on the tournament. Sort of give us an outsider's view on what he thinks as far as best Virginia and heard that's chances for winning the TBT. So that's coming up about 5.30. And then something I did on Saturday, I had a chance to head over to the get-together. I don't want to call it a celebration of life. It was sort of, you know, I even know how to describe it. It may be celebration of life is the right way to do it because a lot of former players played in Huntington, a lot of people that were associated with the Huntington Blizzard got together on Saturday, and I got to go. It was at the Vandalia Crowd House, and we were there to honor the memory and life of former Blizzard captain Jim Birmingham. And so I get a chance to talk to a lot of people that I haven't talked to in maybe 15, 20-plus years a lot of players, and one of the people that you're going to hear from, and you're going to hear from a lot of people over the next week or so, is Derek Schooley, former teammate, now coach at Robert Morris University. He's coaching Division One hockey, so he's going to join me about 545. This is something that I sat down with him the other day and recorded, and you're going to hear that. So I'll have a lot of exclusive interviews throughout the week. If you're a huge fan of the Huntington Blizzard, you're fond of those days, If you were a listener of mine back in the day when I was basically talking to hockey players all the time and we were doing this kind of stuff, you're going to enjoy hearing from a lot of people, their thoughts on Jim Birmingham, some candid memories, a lot of good times, and you're going to hear all that right here throughout the next week or so. Marshall, media days tomorrow and Wednesday for the Sun Belt. West Division goes first on Tuesday and then the East Division on Wednesday. And ahead of that, the preseason awards are out. Preseason All-Sunbelt First Team honors going to Logan Osborne on the offensive side. And for the defensive side, Owen Porter, Eli Neal, Micah Abraham, all representing the defense. Preseason All-Sunbelt Second Team. Rasheen Ali, second team, and Ethan Driscoll. These are your second teamers. A lot of people, again, early reaction on the internet, shaking their head at Rasheen Ali being on the second team. But 
Sunbelt coaches really don't know him. They know his reputation. They don't know him. So second team's, I think, a fair starting place. It's up to him to prove them wrong. And, of course, the coaches poll. We're all going to analyze this for the next several days. We're going to go over it. We're going to talk about it. It won't go away anytime soon. And on the east side, the predicted order of finish. James Madison, 78 points, the first spot, east division. App State, 75 points, is your second team. Third team is Coastal Carolina with 71 points. And then Marshall's fourth, Georgia Southern's fifth, Georgia State's sixth, and Old Dominion's seventh. There's really not a definitive team here in this East Division, to be quite fair, because James Madison got four first-place votes. App State got four first-place votes. Coastal Carolina got three first-place votes. Marshall two first-place votes, and even Georgia Southern got a first-place vote. So there's not a definitive winner here. If we were having a contest, this isn't definitive. James Madison's on top due to points. App State is second, but as many first-place votes as James Madison. So this one left a lot of people, again, early on. If I know my fan base, I know my audience— you're scratching your head on this one right now, thinking there's no way that Marshall's fourth best in the East Division. So this is going to be a tough division. James Madison, App State, Coastal, all tough games. Marshall's going to be lucky to come out on top of this East Division. They're on a little hard work as well. I mean, luck is part of it. But this is going to be a tough division. West Division, a little bit more definitive. Troy is the West Division pick with 10 first-place votes. South Alabama came in second with four first-place votes. And then there's Louisiana third, Southern Miss fourth, Texas State fifth, Arkansas State sixth, and ULM seventh. But back to the East Division. It's going to be a dogfight in the East Division all the way, top to bottom, because I don't think there's a clear-cut better-than-team. Each team in this top four, maybe even top five, has a legitimate shot at maybe winning the East Division. James Madison, highly regarded. App State, highly regarded. Coastal Carolina, definitely well regarded. And then there, the Thundering Herd. You got six teams on the uh, all Sun Belt first and second team. You got six people. So there's a lot to go over. We'll unpack it all over these next few days. But that's where we're starting. We're starting with Marshall pick fourth in the East Division. We're starting with four players on the first team and two on the second team, and we will go from there. But we're going to turn our attention to basketball in a few minutes because coming up, I've got John Elmore. Heard that getting set for its matchup in the TBT, taking on Zoo Crew. We'll talk about that with John when we continue on this edition of The Drive, ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Our text line is open 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. We'll start getting your text in in just a few minutes. 
But we want to turn our attention now to what's happening tomorrow. The TBT back in West Virginia. This time it's going to be in Wheeling, a little different venue. But some of the same faces you've known and loved for years are back, including John Elmore, who now joins us on the program. And this year, heard that looks absolutely loaded. How have you been able to contain your excitement getting on the court, knowing that you've got a team that looks like it could make that million-dollar run? Um, you know, it's just a matter of staying uh, level-headed and preparing for that game one. Uh, you could have the greatest roster in the world, but it's single elimination tournament for a million dollars. So uh, you could have all the talent, but if you don't win game one, take it one at a time, man. It doesn't mean a thing. So we're just trying to stay focused and prepared for the Pittsburgh alumni team. We'll talk about them in a minute, but change of venue this year. It's going to be at West Banco Arena in Wheeling. Easy to adjust to. I mean, you've played in a lot of arenas here, but Charleston became home to the TBT for so long, and so now it's in a different location, different spot. You know, how's the vibe of that place for you? You know, we're sad to see it leave Charleston. Um, just you know, being my hometown and being such such a uh, kind of middle ground for Morgantown and Huntington, um, having a lot of fans be able to pack that up. So we're hoping that. Uh, Marshall fans they are able to make that little trek to Wheeling. Uh, it's a little bit of drive, but we're hoping to get that support. Um, but, you know, I think it's cool that the TBT is still in West Virginia, though. Um, I think it speaks to the support level from Mountain- the Mountaineers and Marshall. Um, so we're glad to keep it in West Virginia and kind of showcase the uh, hidden gems of West Virginia. Your team, your roster, let's just start with the obvious the biggest addition to the talent pool this year. And I'm not saying Tavion Kinsey. No, we'll talk about him in a second. Jared West. I mean, you want to you want to win games by scoring buckets, but you also want to play strong defense. And Jared West probably is going to be that most underrated guy on the court once it's all said and done. Yeah, you know, um, Jared, great friend of mine. Um, we shared the backcourt together at Marshall for a couple years. Um, so, being able to reconnect with him, um, Marshall fans get to see him wear the green again. Um, he's been awesome, man. We've had like a four or five day training camp. Jared's been a standout, um, defensively and offensively. So just bringing that level of toughness and that level of focus, um, and attention to detail that he brings, uh, I think he's going to be a major piece for us, man. Uh, like you said, um, we've really never had a problem scoring the basketball, but, uh, in this event, you got to be able to get stops as well. So I think um, we've kind of refocused and improved our talent pool, like you said, uh, on the defensive end. He's definitely one of those guys. Also, uh, yeah, Tavion Kinsey. I mean, nobody's really talking about this kid. I mean, it's a recent graduate of Marshall University. You know, you know him a little bit. He, he's okay on the court, right? You know, he's he's not that bad. No, man, we're excited to add Tavion to the roster. Um, he had a good summer league with the Utah Jazz. Um, and like you said, uh, Marshall fans have been lucky and fortunate to watch him these past five years. Um, so now he's taking that next step to pro ball. Um, we're lucky to have him. We think he's going to be another valuable piece. Um, he came straight from Utah to uh, training camp to start getting ready. And uh, it's always good to keep that Marshall pipeline going of, Guy, adding guys to the heard that team um you know we'd like to wear the that marshall jersey and kind of put put the school on the map basketball wise in the tbt and we think that's always good for branding so 
anytime we can add a former player um, just to keep reconnecting with the fans and the school and the brand, uh, it's always awesome. How's this team gelled? There's a lot of experience in the TBT. There's a lot of experience playing with Marshall, but I mean, there's some components here that maybe have never played a game together. You put a Tavion Kinsey with a Stevie Browning. You put a, a Rondell Watson out there, a James Kelly with a Jared West. Yeah, how's this team gelling? And, of course, these are not the only players on the squad. You've got some interesting additions as well. Yeah, you know, um, our big thing was, um, you know, on our past couple teams, we have, we've had a few guys retire over the past few years from playing professional basketball. Um, and we kind of wanted to revamp that and kind of, uh, when we were putting together our roster, we wanted to add some guys that were playing at a high level in Europe and still playing at a high level professionally. So like you said, we've added several new guys, um, that have had a couple of them have had tremendous careers in Europe so far. Um, and then some of our Marshall guys, Stevie Browning, Ryan Taylor, Rondell Watson, Jared, Tavion, um, Ott's going back to coaching the team. Um, you know, so just getting that Marshall core back together and then adding a few more high-level pieces, um, we're hoping this is a team that can make a run. One of the big names, uh, well, really, they all seem to be standout big names. You've got Luke Fisher from Marquette. You've got Ja'Cory Williams. You know, you have Rob Gray individually, you know, how excited are you for these guys? They're not Marshall guys, but they're definitely big additions to this team. No, for sure. Um, when we were kind of evaluating guys, and we got a new sponsor, um, Tim Barker, uh, so I have to shout him out. He's kind of been the guy that has kind of headlined everything and taken care of everything. Um, so big shout out to him. But putting the team together, um, that was kind of the direction we wanted to go in find some of those big name guys that would fit our style of play. Uh, we want to play that Marshall style Dan Tony offense where we have a really attractive brand and fun style of basketball. Um, so we kind of just went down the list, um, check guys off. Do they fit this box? And do they fit what we want to do? And we think we're able to put a team together. Like you said, JP Tokato played in North Carolina, Rob Gray, Houston. Um, all these guys have high-level experience, whether that's making runs in the NCAA tournament, whether that's playing high-level overseas. Um, so I think uh, walking in the door, we had a pretty good feeling that guys would gel pretty quickly. But, man, we've been impressed so far. You mentioned your brother, Odd. He's going to be behind the scenes now a little bit more. He's not going to be out there being flamboyant and just being a center of attention. Well, maybe he will be on the on the, on the the bench as the head coach. Um was that a hard transition for him, or is that one he was uh, really excited to do, uh, knowing that you guys have got a load, load of talent and he can still go, but did he feel better getting into more of a coaching background with this team? I think so, just from the fact that he's um, he's preparing for the bar test right now. He just graduated law school. Uh, he's actually taking the bar the next couple of days, so we got to wish him good luck on that. Um, so his focus has really been on finishing up law school and trying to pass this test. Uh, so it really hadn't been on basketball as much. So I think him being able to take a step back and just focus on his schools and getting that law degree and everything uh, kind of came first because that's really setting him up for his next career in life. So we're wishing him big luck on that. He's been around some, helping with the practices and stuff. Um, I think if we win the first game, he'll be at the next game to coach. So we got to win so he can be involved again. You gotta have him out there. He's um he's the most flamboyant of them all. Um, For sure. Um, 
I, I don't know. We all expected that, though. That's just odd. That's odd being odd. And America got to see him and then got to connect all of the, the great basketball that's being played with her that you sort of became like one of the, um, I don't want to say internet darlings over the last few years, but really, if you got to pick a team, I'm sure a lot of people maybe don't have a team, will pick her that. Exactly. Um, the TBT, at one point, they kind of termed us America's team. So like you said, I think one, his um, his antics and some of his funny things that he had going on while he was on the court, some of the smack talk and all that. Um, I think people gravitated towards that. Um, and then, like you said, yeah, we're going to miss him, but I'm hoping he can get back in time to be a part of it and bring that uh, bring those antics back to this current team. John Elmore is with us. The TBT underway tomorrow. Have you heard that against Zoo Crew? And I know Zoo Crew has a couple of players that are maybe questionable or out. I'm sure that's really not going to impact what you guys do. But still, what's this team about? And with a guy like Ryan Luther that's maybe questionable, now what kind of an impact player is he? If he's not out there, you know, how much more beneficial might that be for you? Uh, you know, Ryan Luther actually played with us a couple years ago, um, but he's had a good career in Europe. He was in Spain this last year. Um, so we're taking it as all their guys are going to be active. Um, like you said, a couple guys are questionable. Um, and this thing, it's really hard to scout teams because you don't know their plays. They've never played together. You don't know if they've done a training camp or how sharp they're going to be chemistry-wise. So really you can just um, – Marcus Reed, who's the assistant coach at West Virginia State, played at Marshall as well, um, is one of our assistant coaches. He's in charge of the scouting report. So he's been watching guys overseas film, finding their overseas stats, um, some of the guys that didn't play professionally, what their college numbers were, um, stuff like that. So you can really just try to study their personnel as much as you can, but there's only so much you can do scouting-wise. So really just got to kind of stick to your game plan, um, what we've been preaching the past few days, and then trying to be as sharp as possible. And if you beat Zoo Crew, you have that potential matchup with Best Virginia I don't know why they just don't put you guys uh, in opposite brackets and let's just play for the championship. That's what we really want to see. I agree. I agree. Um, if we could wait and see them in the championship, that would be perfect. But um, we were talking about it earlier. Um, we want revenge, man. They kind of hammered us last year. Uh, we think we've retooled and revamped and hopefully improved our roster. So I'm hoping we win game one. I'm hoping they lose game one. But if we win and they win, uh, we'll be fired up for that matchup, and hopefully we can get revenge. See, there's the John Elmore trash talk I've been waiting for right there. The shot's fired. you love to see him second round, but you know what? If you guys don't make it, no problem. We'll be there. I love that. 100%. I love that. Game is going to be on ESPN+. Plus. It's going to be a little bit after 9 o'clock. We'll find out the exact time uh, tomorrow because the first game might run over. It's going to be on the radio right here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. And if, not if, when you beat Zoo Crew, you'll advance to the second round and potentially take on Best Virginia. And Good luck, man. This team looks loaded. It, it looks like it's going to be even more fun, if that's possible, than last year. Uh, the fact that you got some new blood in the, the lineup. I, I think you got the team. This might be the million-dollar team right here. I hope this is the year we get a cash that check, man. I'm fired up and appreciate you having me on. Always a pleasure. Thanks for doing it again, man. I know how busy you've been. Yes, sir. John Elmore, 
Heard that in action tomorrow, taking on Zoo Crew. When we continue, we're going to talk to one of the voices that will be covering the TBT. That's Travis Jones. He'll be with us when we continue on this edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. We're taking Paul Swan everywhere. Download or subscribe to The Drive with Paul Swan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up tomorrow night, we'll have the broadcast of Best Virginia and Heard That, the TBT. It'll be broadcast on Metro News, and you can hear all those games here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. And the man who will have the call of Heard That versus Zoo Crew is Travis Jones, and he joins us now on the program. It's good catching up with you again. I'm excited for you because um, Heard That might be super loaded this year. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, you know, it, it's interesting, Paul. You look through this tournament and just kind of, you know, for me, the the life of it. And it, of course, it it existed before they they did the West Virginia region. But um, you know, not not many years. You know, we we've, we've gotten a pretty good healthy dose of of um, of this tournament and kind of what it takes to win the thing. Um, you know, we've seen some really good teams um, come through. I think sideline cancer last year. Uh, made made a deep run, of course. Uh, Best Virginia made it to made it to Dayton uh, as well. So it's interesting because I think the GMs of these teams are you know learning what it takes and you know kind of what the the sweet spot is in terms of numbers. You know, which I think is interesting in this tournament because you know every time you add a guy, you're cutting that that million dollar pie even more. So I, I've really noticed this year that a lot of these teams are like 10 guys, um, you know, 11, 12 on the, on the high end. Um, so, you know, they're going for quality instead of quantity. And when it comes to her dad, I, I, I think you're exactly right. I think what they've been able to do is going through this tournament, you know, they've, they've identified, you know, what they have and, and John Elmore and Stevie Browning and, and Rondell Watson and James Kelly, you know, some of the guys that have the, you know, the martial ties. And then they've also been able to go out and identify some guys, you know, maybe that don't have any herd ties that are able to come in and, and, and fill the roster and fill some needs. And, you know, they've done that with Derek Cook, the 6'9 post this year, Jared West, you know, who, of course, obviously has martial ties, but finished his career at, at Louisville. But, you know, he's a guy that, gives them a very solid point guard and a defensive minded guy too, Paul. And I, th- I think if we we've learned anything with this TBT, it's, you know, the teams that play good, good defense have an advantage. You know, it, it's not always about, you know, who can score 90 points. I talked to John just a few minutes ago and we were going over some of the additions and we sort of glossed over Tavion Kinsey at the beginning because, well, I mean, yeah, okay, Tavion Kinsey, what a, not, a, not really a big deal. But Jared West, uh, in all seriousness, Tavion's a fantastic addition, but I think Jared's going to be the most underrated player on this team because of what you just mentioned, the defensive ability. He was like a bulldog that just would not let go of someone once he got on defense, and he was really locked in. Yeah, and, you know, Paul, looking at um, – you know, a couple of things when I look at the pit roster in particular, the, the zoo crew roster, because, um, you know, obviously that's heard that's, uh, you know, first hurdle to get, to get over. Um, it's a guard oriented team. 
you know, when you look at with who they have, you know, they obviously have some bigs. You know, Ryan Luther's their their post. who played a pit and finished his career at, at Arizona, but um, it, it's pretty guard heavy. And I think the names that jump out at you that you're familiar with from Pitt, you know, Lore, Levance Fields in particular, who had an outstanding career there. Sam Young uh, as well. You know, these are guards. So, uh, you know, certainly heard that. Didn't know that going in how how they're going to get seated, who they were going to. Get uh, you know, matched up against, but it this is a guard-oriented tournament, in my opinion. Certainly, you have some bigs that can score and can rebound the basketball and do those type of things. But uh, it seems like the elite players in the TBT, you know, year in and year out, seem to be more of the perimeter type guys. So I think you're exactly right. I think that's why the addition of, of Jared West is so big uh, because he's a guy that can just absolutely lock down the other team's leading score and. Um, you know he's healthy again. I know he had some he's he's had some uh, some issues off season, but but is uh, getting to where he's back to 100. percent So I think I think you know that's one of the stories in this TBT. I think that are, that's very intriguing to me um, to see how well he performs in his first year in this tournament. And uh, you know quickly the other guy that uh, to me is a very intriguing addition is Dalton Bolin who, you know, you may not be familiar with, but he was the two-time Mountain East Conference Player of the Year at West Liberty, finished his career at the College of Charleston. And how good is he? Um, well, he won the Mountain East Conference Player of the Year, and he played his, uh, his final year at West Liberty with one eye. He wore an eye patch because he got scratched uh, on his cornea in the preseason. And um, <laughs> one eye was the best player in the NEC that year. And he's playing for the Dubois dreams that will match up with West Virginia tomorrow night at seven. Then we talk about Tavion Kinsey, which uh, you have yeah. number one and number two all-time scorers for Marshall University now together on the same roster. This team doesn't have a problem scoring, and Tavion's coming fresh off that G League effort. I really think that as Tavion got through the G League and the summer league, he got better. And I think this is another opportunity for him to maybe showcase that a little bit more now that he's gone through it one time. Yeah, agreed. Um, and that and that's an advantage because this the the makeup of this tournament, Paul, as you know, is so uh, overseas oriented. I mean, most of these guys, uh, I mean, uh, well, I mean, all of them currently aren't in the NBA. Most of them are playing overseas at some level. Um, so that that kind of gives. You know, a guy like uh, Tavion coming in his first appearance uh, with her dad, it gives him an opportunity to kind of know the talent level that there's that they're going to face uh, when they get into this. And uh, you know, playing in the in the summer league with the Utah Jazz, of course. Uh, you you mentioned um, uh, his outstanding college career at, uh, at Marshall, being the Sun Belt you know Player of the Year, and and a guy that uh, you know can score the ball and and you know gives John Elmore. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to give him a little more flexibility offensively and maybe take some of the heat and pressure off him to have to carry the load um, for for her that. And, you know, the other guy, too, I mentioned him earlier, uh, Paul, Stevie Browning. Uh, I, I think if you talk to Stevie, he probably would admit that he doesn't feel like he's played his best in the TBT the last couple of seasons. You know, if he can be a guy that, that can, uh, you know, give her that 15 points tomorrow night and then continue to do that right on through, uh, this this Wheeling region, I, I think that that's uh, going to be a major advantage for him as well. You know, as you mentioned at the top, I 
I think on paper, this is probably the best herd that team uh, that they've had at the at, at the TBT. You know, they snuck up on people that first year. Um, certainly, they're they're not flying under the radar now, but uh, they I think seating wise, probably a little undervalued. Let's talk about this venue for a second. We're going from Charleston to West Banco Arena and Wheeling. The vibe's going to be completely different. Is that going to be a yeah. good thing for this tournament? Yeah, Paul, I don't know, to be honest with you. Um, let, let's kind of talk about how we got here. Um, when we left the TBT last year, uh, the understanding was it was it was going to leave West Virginia and then come back. I mean, they, they've had very good success in Charleston. Uh, the, the The tournament itself, I think was happy here. Um, so they, they wanted to come back, but it's like anything else, you know, it, it, the, the novelty maybe has worn off a little bit. Um, and, and because of that, you know, there, there's not the, not the same buzz that there has been in, in, in past years. Um, you know, is it a novelty or, or is it something that's, that's, you know, going to be an annual event? Uh, certainly with, without the ESPN commitment to the TBT, they would struggle uh, to make it. And, and, you know, I noticed this year that there are less games on ESPN broadcast and more games on ESPN plus. I don't know if that's, you know, a damnation of the tournament or if it's just more ESPN trying to push some of their ESPN plus content. Um, however, when it comes to, uh, to West Virginia, so Charleston knew that they had a date conflict at the convention center um, this year. They, they already had something booked for the week of the TBT. So, they were pretty upfront with the TBT that they were not going to be able to host it on those dates. And of course the TBTs, uh, you know, they're locked into dates as dictated by ESPN. Um, so again, we thought the tournament was going to go away out of the, out of West Virginia. Uh, Wheeling has been kind of an up and comer. Uh, they recently uh, spent a lot of money uh, updating the interior of the West Banco arena and making it a very nice arena with video boards and ribbon boards, you know, new seats, um, a nice club area. Um, and, and honestly, it's a perfect size. You know, the Mountain East Conference went up there, and it's been a home run because it, it's, you know, not nearly as big as the Charleston Civic Center. You know, you get 5,000 people in there, and it, it, it looks full and, and is, loud, is a loud venue. But you're right. I think it's a little bit of a gamble because, Paul, I don't know what, you know, the herd that fans – it's a it's a different travel commitment for them, you know the Marshall fans to go to Wheeling as opposed to just being able to to uh, to jump on 64 and come over to Charleston. I think the tournament's hope was that the Pitt fans would fill that in, but you know we know Pitt's a different animal. Uh, they don't have the rabid fan base that uh, that a West Virginia Marshall has that that will travel and support. So I'm going to be curious to see. I heard the ticket sales um, were lighter than they have been leading up to. Now we're at the week and. And uh, it's summer, you know, there's a lot of things going on. So maybe uh, they'll pick up here in the next, uh, you know, 24, you know, going back to 48 hours heading to this tournament. But uh, um, I'm like you, I'm interested to see, you know, how this affects the crowds. Because I I thought it was pretty well supported in Charleston, all things considered, for a middle of the summer basketball tournament. Yeah, I enjoyed it in Charleston as well. Neutral location to a degree. It's centrally located to a degree. And Coliseum's just a great place. Joining me is Travis Jones. He'll have the call of Heard That versus Zoo Crew. Tomorrow we'll have a game right here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. So no worries if you don't have ESPN+. Plus. And talking with John earlier, kind of asking him a little bit about that as well. He he thinks it's going to be a different vibe, hopes the Heard fans will 
show up, but I think eventually I would like to see this maybe rotate between, I don't know, if, if you can't keep it in Charleston all the time, let's take it to Morgantown. Let's jam the Coliseum. Let's bring it to Huntington. Let's see how it does. I think that could be something with this tournament that could be plausible. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think the TV, I mean, the TBT obviously is a lot like the NIT. You know, they're they're going to go where they they think they can sell the tickets. Um, you know, the the TV revenue is is what keeps the thing afloat and allows them to offer the million dollars. And and I don't know if you've noticed, but they've added a kind of a a soccer TBT model uh, now that um, you know has also been, I've, from what I've understood, has been very successful. It's early um, as well. So um, yeah, I mean, it's been fun. Um, I've enjoyed it. You know, it, it's, it's a good level of basketball, honestly. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a, about what you would expect. It's a great novel concept. And, you know, I think it's been uh, wildly popular in, in some places. It's been very well received here. It's been an absolute home run in Wichita, uh, Kansas. Um, you know, so much so they've got two regions out there or did, they just, they just completed, uh, yesterday. Um, so, you know, the, the, this tournament's done a good job of kind of finding their sweet, sweet spots and finding the places like Syracuse. And, and uh, you know, they've gone to Louisville this year and Freedom Hall. So we'll see how well that goes. And They were in Columbus for a long time. I was kind of surprised that they did not stick Ohio State in, in Wheeling uh, if Columbus wasn't going to be a, a region this year, which, which it wasn't. I, I thought if they were able to do that, stick the Buckeyes in there with West Virginia and Marshall, then that might have boosted uh, ticket sales more than than Pitt, but they made the play with Pitt, and we'll we'll see if it works out for them. But um, I think as we've seen, Paul, that they're open to moving this thing around. Um, so you know that that could be a possibility in the future. I could see it going back to Charleston. I could see it going to some other places. My guest, Travis Jones, he's going to have the call tomorrow. Heard that versus Zoo Crew. That'll be right here on ESPN ninety four point one and AM nine thirty. Yeah, how many assignments do you have in this tournament? Are you going all the way? Are you the lone voice of this thing? Or are you switching off? No, yeah. So basically, what we're doing uh, tomorrow is we're going to do all four games. Uh, the first two uh, will be available on uh, wvmetronews.com on a stream only, um, and then obviously we'll uh, we'll push out the best Virginia and herd that games on the network to our uh, make it available to our affiliates across the state. It'll also be available if you're in a, if you're in a location. Uh, tomorrow night where you can't hear a radio signal that's carrying it. It's at WVMetroNews.com. Um, but we will we will continue to broadcast, heard that, and uh, West Virginia as far as they go uh, into this tournament. The other thing I need to point out that, that is different this year, um, and that is that Wheeling is actually hosting um, one of the, uh, so that would be the round, I believe, of eight regional championships. So the winner of the Syracuse region, will come to Wheeling and take on the winner of the Wheeling region on Sunday of this week. Uh, last year, you may recall, Best Virginia won the region. They went to Dayton. Well, Wheeling this year is the, is the Dayton uh, location for that next round uh, game. So uh, so for her, that, Tuesday night, Thursday night, win, play on Saturday. That is the West Virginia region championship. If they win that game, They'll play in the, I guess it would be the East Region Championship on Sunday in Wheeling at uh, 2 o'clock. 
Sounds like it's going to be fun once again. Travis Jones with us. He's going to have the call. Heard that. Zoo crew tomorrow right here. A little bit after 9 on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Good luck, man. I'm going to be looking forward to it. Of course, I'm going to be turning the radio up and the TV audio it. down. Never. Hey, quick quick question for you before you let me go. Yeah. Of this, what do you think of the Elam ending? I love the Elam ending. I, I almost I wish should. college would do it, but I know that's not going to happen. It would be fantastic if we could get to a point. Now, of course, I'm selfishly thinking because you know, once a game gets to a certain point, I'd like to maybe get to the post game, do my radio stuff, you know, do my do my after. <laughs> yeah. yeah, come on, I, I'm on a schedule here. Let's uh, let's let's hurry this up. No, I love it. I think it it really brings a lot of excitement because it's not guaranteed. Yeah, you're not guaranteed to win, even if you've got the, you know, you've got the most points when the Elam ending is announced. As we just saw, wasn't one of the uh, the the games where there was a comeback and the Elam ending made it even more exciting because we had that comeback with the target number. Yeah, I think there was a game last year. It wasn't in our region, but I believe the team um, basically they were down by twenty points. They had to they, they had to score twenty. The other team had to score eight, and they went on a twenty to eight run and beat them, or twenty to seven run and, and won. So yeah, so it it doesn't happen often, but you're right. I I, I just like it because you know it eliminates the fouling and the intentional fouling. I mean every every foul at the end of the game is intentional. Um, so you know, it it just uh, gives you a little more excitement, and every you know every game is made, is ends on a made basket. So it's uh, I like it too. I I wish uh, uh, some other leagues would at least uh, try it and sample it. But I I I agree with you. I I'm not sure uh, it'll get much traction much further than than where it's at now. No, but it definitely is uh, one of the unique aspects of this tournament, and I, I think yeah, there's no a, doubt there's a push for it. It has to be. It makes the game yeah. better. I, I get where you want to have the game be pure and traditional. But, you know, this makes it more exciting because we never know what's going to happen and we eliminate some of the worst parts of the end of a game, the intentional fouling. Most coaches, you're not going to win that way. Let's just do it this way and make it happen. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Thanks, sir. All right. Well, we say it, so let's let's – we said it, let's have it done. Hey, look, anything you, anything you say, I'll try to make it happen. Just don't. <laughs> okay. Don't. All right. Well, maybe maybe we can get it in, in bitty ball first and, and work our way up. Okay. Probably I, need to do. I'm with you on that. That's Travis right. Jones. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate you. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate your time. Travis Jones, we will take a quick timeout, come back. We're going to hear from a former Huntington Blizzard player, Derek Schooley. He was in town over the weekend. I had a chance to catch up with him. We'll do that when we continue on this edition of The Drive, ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We continue on with the Monday edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. A few days ago, I had a chance to catch up with a few guys that I haven't talked to in a long time. Several former Huntington Blizzard players and families got together at the Vandalia Crowd House. It was to honor the memory of former Blizzard captain Jim Birmingham, passed away in May, age of 51. Now, over the next few days, we're going to hear from several of the former players and people that were involved with Huntington Blizzard. And first up, we're going to hear from Derek Schooley. Now, Derek is now the coach at Robert Morris University. So he's coaching Division I hockey just to go to show you how important I think that lineage 
of players that that line has been in hockey post Huntington. I mean, there are a lot of guys that came through that are doing some successful things. Jared Bednar couldn't be there. You know why? He's doing that NHL stuff. He's a guy who won the Stanley Cup as a coach. So there are a lot of talented people that are still involved in hockey. And one of the guys is Derek Schooley. It was great to see him. He came and sat down at our table that I was at. And once he realized and recognized who it was, that it was me, which was very flattering to begin with because I hadn't seen a lot of these guys in several years. It was, uh, it just made everything, all the memories started to come back. It was fun to talk to him. And just to kind of break the ice with everybody, I had all the players introduce themselves, partially because I didn't want to lose the audio, make sure I had the right audio. And at the same time, you know, maybe get them to start thinking about, you know, their position when they played. So I had everybody introduce themselves, including Derek. And tell us what his position was before we really got talking. Derek Schooley, uh, I was here in 94 through 96. No, wait, hold on. 94, th- uh, 94, 95, and then the start of the 95 season. When you got back to Huntington, what was the thing that maybe hit you the most when you started coming back? Well, this is the first time I've been back since uh, November of 95. So as I was driving in, I'm like, I need to look at the places that I uh, lived at. I put them into uh, uh, ways. I drove through downtown. I was like, I remember this. And it was, uh, it was uh, exciting to be here, obviously. Um, here to honor Jim Birmingham. Here with a, a great group of guys and a great group of people. And uh, just to go back and to reminisce about our good times here in Huntington. Of all the places that Jimmy's been, why was Huntington so important, you think? Well, I think he's Mr. Hockey in Huntington. He was here the longest. He really loved living in Huntington. I would text him and we'd talk about uh, coming back to Huntington. He came back here a couple times. He has unbelievable fans and friends here. And um, Mr. Huntington, quite honestly, as far as hockey goes. If... If you can leave listeners with one or two Jim Birmingham memories that maybe they don't know about, where would you begin? Well, I don't know if I could talk about him on uh, the radio or internet or whatever, but unbelievable power forward, big guy, great hands, competed hard, Detroit Red Wings draft pick. But I will tell you this, he had unbelievable pride for Huntington. He had a group chat of Ray Edwards and Jared Bednar and Dan Fornell and Van Burgess, Kelly Harper and myself who are all still in hockey these days and Jim coached in, in Knoxville. People forget about that. He won a championship and uh, just a really good person and a really good advocate. He loved Huntington and uh, I'm glad that he we're, we're back here to honor him here and I'm sure he's glad that Huntington is, is still remembering him today. And we're here now. There's a lot of people here that, and they're still coming in to honor him. You know, you're not surprised by this, this outpouring of support that after all these years, there are still people here to just remember it like it's yesterday. Yeah, the blizzard's been, the was, for hockey fans, the blizzard is it. And in, in this town, and you could have people that are, uh, there could have been 20 people here, but there could be 2,000. And uh, you just don't remember, like, you remember the people that were here. And 
I come up and I'm, people introduce themselves to me and they're like, hey, you remember? I'm like, you do. Somebody gave me my nameplates from my two jerseys that I had when I was here. And uh, they bought all the jerseys. I mean, the Blizzard was something special and iconic. And hopefully someday hockey comes back to Huntington. Something that maybe a lot of people don't realize, after the Huntington Blizzard left, life went on, careers continued. Huntington was a launching pad, including for yourself, for a lot of careers. I mean, just look at the people that you have. You know, I'm not going to pump myself up, but I'm a Division One head coach. You got Kelly Harper here today that's a Detroit Red Wings scout. You got Ray Edwards who really wanted to come. He's with Calgary, was in the NHL on the bench. You got Jared Bednar as an NHL head coach. You got Jim who is a uh, minor pro head coach. You got guys that played in the NHL. You got guys that played all over the East Coast Hockey League. Yes, it was a launching pad. I don't think people under really uh, appreciated what Huntington was, or Blizzard hockey was back when Huntington Blizzard was here. And I think people understand it now. I know the question gets asked a lot. I'm sure you'll get this question now and then. Hey, when's Huntington going to have hockey again? When's it coming back? Can it come back? You've got a lot of really good supporters. There's a Facebook group. There's people that still call me. There's still people that uh, text me. There's still people that email me about hockey in Huntington. I mean, like I said, somebody gave me my nameplates for my jerseys. And I, didn't, I haven't played here since 1995. I mean, there's a passionate group of Huntington Blizzard hockey people here. And, and I think it's important that someday, whether it's in the North American Hockey League, whether it's in the Southern Pro Hockey League, whether it's in the Federal Hockey League, that Huntington Blizzard hockey or Huntington hockey comes back. That was my conversation with Derek Schooley. We'll have more throughout the week. And that's going to do it for this edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 at AM 930. I want to thank my guests today. First up, John Elmore with Heard That in action tomorrow on the TBT. Also, special thanks to Travis Jones. He'll have the call of all those games. And we'll have that call right here on ESPN 94.1 at AM 930. And lastly, Derek Schooley. It was great to catch up with him and reconnect as several Huntington Blizzard players came to Huntington to pay respects to celebrate the life of Jim Birmingham, who passed away in May. That's going to do it for this edition. Thanks for tuning in.